0: I think one of my immediate thoughts is that this whole COVID crisis has been an incredible leveller and we're all exploring this together. So the sense of belonging is therefore enhanced in a way.
1: People feed off the energy of others. And I think there's a big part of our organisation that's invisible, that comes from that kind of human connection.
2: Hi there, welcome to this Focus Radio podcast. My name is Mark Kahn. I'm the Global Head of People and Organization for Investec. In this podcast, I want to explore the impact that remote working and the effects of the virus is having on corporate culture. Very few of us are are traveling into the office anymore. I mean, for example, at Investec, we're at close to 90-95% of our staff working remotely. Our homes, our phones have replaced this daily face-to-face interaction that we used to with our colleagues. And it's this daily interaction that communicates and strengthens an organization's culture. So the big question many leaders are asking is, how do we maintain our corporate culture in this new environment? It's a question we have grappled with here at Investec, because as an organization, we've always regarded our culture as core to our competitive advantage. To reflect on how Investec's culture has shifted during this crisis, and what it might look like post the pandemic, I've gathered a a few of our people and organization leaders together to chat frankly about what they see. We're going to dip in and out of that Zoom chat, and I hope some of the observations and thinking will be useful to you in helping you navigate this in the world of work in your organization. Now, clearly the first question that lays the foundation for any discussion about culture is what is it? What is culture? What do we mean when we talk about it? And specifically, what do we mean when we talk about culture and investing? Here's Hank Strivick, He's our head of OD for the Southern Hemisphere, and he's going to give us an insight into this question.
1: There's a lot to say about this culture, but we often talk about it in three basic pillars that I think is the backbone of this culture. And a lot of the other things kind of hang on it. The first one would be... Flat organization, which I don't believe that we don't have reporting lines and hierarchy, but there's something about the power distance in this organization that's important. There's very low power distance. In other words, people are first people and then their roles. And it's less important that you're the CEO of the company. And first, it's more about I'm a person, you're a person, we engaging on a particular topic and what you bring to the table is what this place is all about. The second one is relationship. This place, and it connects with the first one, is all about relationship and the quality of your relationships and the connections that you've built with people over time. And what it brings is an ease of being with each other. So leaders lead through this way, through the close relationships they have with people and the ease that it brings. And then the third one I would say is this idea of we call it process, but it's really just this special kind of dialogue that we have where we enroll people in things and we ask people about their opinions. And people do things because they applied their minds and it made sense to them, not because the boss said so. And again, it binds with the other two and it creates a situation where we create shared meaning all the time. And that shared meaning becomes the base of the culture.
2: So we've always understood that core to the notion of shared meaning is this idea of authentic human stories. Amanda Bahia, who's from our UKOD team, had this to say about the role of storytelling in communicating shared meaning.
3: I think there's something about the lived experience of the culture is often through stories. Either we tell stories or we have stories. And I think most of us have got an example somewhere where we felt the low power distance. So, you know, I've only been at Investor two years, but I remember my first day very distinctly because... The head of HR. It was it was January, and rather than shake my hand very formally and welcome me to the company, it was a big hug. And as I was walking down the corridor, lots of people were saying "Happy New Year," which I found quite strange, coming from a very hierarchical organisation previously. And I think there's so many examples of where it doesn't matter who you are, but it matters. What's going on for you? Somebody might be going through a difficult time and just being noticed. And not just by your manager or your team colleague, but lots of people will reach out and say, how's it going for you? What does that feel like? Can I help in any way? And that really does bond you. I think we are very much invested to Investec, both as an individual who works in the company, but also then to the clients that we might serve, either internally or externally.
2: Zandila Ankata, who's part of the Belonging Inclusion Diversity Team in the UK, in fact, she heads that team, feels that investors culture requires a level of openness and honesty that can be both liberating and daunting at the same time.
0: I really feel like the culture asks of you to be brave, that there's... A need for there to be high levels of safety for you to be able to operate well in the culture. So you shouldn't feel a sense of fear of being able to express your opinion. I think that was something for me that was quite hard to grapple with when I first started because I was used to the hierarchy and the committees, et cetera. So to be able to feel that I'm not going to be humiliated or that I'm not going to be questioned about what I view is something that I've experienced to be true, that it allows me to really express what I feel, what I think,
2: and what I value. Lucretia Grandolini, who's our head of learning in the UK, echoes Zandi's sentiments and says that seniority shouldn't dictate who has a voice in meetings.
4: Something that I think is very unique at Investec is this deep-rooted belief that everyone has something to bring to the table regardless of your job title, of your seniority, years of experience, your opinion counts. And that's true from day one. You can see that with the grads when they joined the organization. And some of them, of course, is their first role in the organization. And they all report back that their line managers asked their opinions, that they were put into deals early in their careers. So I think that it's very unique that all our opinions count and we're all in this together.
2: Okay, so descriptors like dialogue-based, relationship-driven, flat structure, and a free, open access environment sum up Investec's culture. But we now come together in a new digital format where people are muted and unmuted. Isn't that going to weaken how we experience our culture? M&Dip had this to say. So, I think there's something about our culture that we're used to talking to one
3: another and we're used to being a whole person. So, you could say that it's quite exposing to have your colleagues enter your home in this virtual way, or a child might walk past, or a family member, a partner. But actually, we've always had a sense of you're not just your role or your employee person, but you are the whole person. And I think that's helped so that it doesn't feel so alien. Most of us will know who's walking past the screen. We've got some knowledge of these other people.
2: So picking up on what Dip has been saying, others can now see into our private lives. But that's almost normalized for us because we bring all of ourselves to work at Investec anyway. I mean, you know, it's a place of home is at work and work is at home, very personal. But at the same time, this digital interface from our homes created a barrier to dialogue which we haven't seen or felt before. Here's Hank on how people are experiencing a type of withdrawal From the energy that comes from the physical human contact that they get at the office.
1: I do believe though that there are pieces you can't do online which is there are aspects of real human connection which is only possible when you're with people. People feed off the energy of others and I think there's a big part of our organization that's invisible that comes from that kind of human connection and I think people suffered some pain through being disconnected in this way. And it's simply because there's something missing when you do it in this way. You can see your colleagues, you can talk to them, but energetically, it's tough.
2: It's important that we chat about what's missing. Lesley and Ngetta, who's our head of people in South Africa, compares the so-called messy, spontaneous kind of engagement where there's a lower level of control in the coordination of who speaks with how we communicate now.
5: In that very word, remote is the issue and it contains in it something that is more mechanistic and something that is more distant and that is essentially for me what has been lost that there's a felt sense of being together that when we're present with each other in a room we can read more into the person's engagement. It makes it harder for us to get a real sense of the individual. And so there's quality to the relationship, to the interaction that's missing in that very language of remoteness, that we are just further away from each other. And that psychological distance is problematic for whole interaction, but it doesn't prevent some interaction.
2: The existentialist Merle Ponty, he talked about the flesh as an element of being, like you get earth, air, fire, water, and then flesh, as in your physical presence cannot be substituted in some way by something else. So in a way, we are no longer in this physical proximity to each other, and there is an effect from that, which we need to account for. Nozipo Chabalala, who's part of our OD team in South Africa, comments specifically on how Investex Client Support Center, known as the CSC, is missing being together as a team in one shared space. It has been very hard. There's
0: a sense of connectivity when you're online, but I think the sense of belonging that lives outside of that is a difficulty for a lot of people. So if I'm not online, how do I belong? We see this with our sales teams in the banking space and the CSC feed off of that. They need that energy to be able to do their work. So in the absence of a screen or the colleague next to you screaming, they've just closed a deal. That sense of belonging to a team that is holding an energy to enable performance is deeply felt.
2: Investec's relationship-driven culture can be observed in many ways. One of them is that meetings don't always start on time. Lucretia explains a phenomenon known as investec time.
4: We always say that there's an investec time, which means that people normally start meeting five or sometimes 10 minutes late. That's not because people are lazy or of course they're not watching the time. It's just because it's that banter, that informality and talking about so many other things before going into task. And I think that unfortunately that's lost because there's no corridor, there's no staircase, there's no canteen to bump into each other and just start an informal conversation. So I think that that certainly affects that sense of belonging because I think we're living in a very paradoxical world where both things are true. So, on the one hand, I do think that the sense of belonging is being lost by all these conditions that are being affected, as we're describing, on the one hand. On the other hand, I do think that maybe for some individuals and hopefully for the majority of individuals, there's a strong reconnection with the sense of belonging. I think that people are coming together, they're showing their human side, they care about Investec, they're putting Investec first. I see less of competition amongst teams and more about let's put the client at the center, going the extra mile. I I feel there's a reinvigorating of the sense of belonging.
2: I wanna bring in Zandi here as she had an interesting observation to share about how COVID-19 is a great leveler. She references a colleague of ours, Chris, That's Chris May, head of our corporate and investment bank in the UK office.
0: I think one of my immediate thoughts is that this whole COVID crisis has been an incredible leveler, which means that none of us have experience of it, so we're all starting off the same base, and we're all exploring this together, which I think gives us a heightened sense of we're in this together. So. The sense of belonging is therefore enhanced in a way. I was on a call last week with CIB and Chris started off the call. The first 10 minutes of the call, he spoke about his own experience and grappling with what is the new normal. And he was quite vulnerable in doing that. I mean, he spoke about the loneliness that he felt in that. And I think just in expressing that to, I think there's probably over 700 people who are listening into the call, expressing that created the sense of I'm in it with you. I feel this with you. I'm grappling with this with you. Let's all try and deal with this together. And I really thought that that embodied what belonging is, what inclusion is, that sense that we can be vulnerable in that
2: situation and that we're all doing it together. One of our most common cultural directives at Investic is to walk the floors. We often reference Samantha Gachelle's work on the smell of the place, which is kind of walking into the building and just getting a felt sense of the energy. It's not literally a smell, although occasionally there is a smell, but it's more a felt sense. And the question is, how are we going to walk the floors and get the smell of the place in this new sort of digital work from home way of working? So what are the new behaviors? What are the new strategies to achieve that felt sense? Leslie ann has a novel take on how leaders need to spread the shared experience of culture when working remotely.
5: It occurs to me as we're talking that we've only, although there's lots of complexity in it, we've only ever really smelt the smell of one place, the building that, that we occupy and we're in. And because our buildings look similar and there's a similar sense to each of these spaces, because of the culture, we imagine that there's one or a varied smell, but it's one one smell of the place. Now, when I think of how we're working, it's a massive garden or it's a huge park. We having to smell it, and I see that we pollinating many spaces. That leaders are responsible for dipping in and out of so many different spots and places, and it's frenetic in terms of how you have to flutter about and, and be in so many different spaces and then pollinate from one to the other, sharing information, sharing views, trying to create that shared meaning system. We're not
3: a heavily bounded organization in terms of structure. However, now we've moved to this virtual world, I think there is something that's lost in the who organizes the check in for the team. Whereas if you don't belong to one team, but either belong to multiple teams or, or you consult in various different ways or you only have a team of two, you can feel very distant and not belonging.
2: That's Amanda from our UKID team interjecting.
3: And that's something that when you walk the floors, you would know who that team of two is or that one person who's working on an innovation project. And it's not easy to do that right now because they're not in your team. They're not in your daily check-in. They're not on your distribution list. And there is something lost in that. I think that there's something about the first week or two is crisis management. Let's get everyone working. Let's check on everyone. Let's get my team sorted. And I think if we can expand that, and I've noticed more of that now is who's beyond your team who are the people that you would chat to every week and suddenly you've not spoken to for two three weeks because you're in this new digital world and can you pick up the phone to them which is a different way of walking the floors it's popping into meetings that aren't yours
2: okay here's an example of this yesterday i got a phone call from our chairman of the board when i saw his name appear on the phone i thought all right he's he's looking for some information from me but no He was just wanting to see how I was doing. That's the first time he's ever really called me for that purpose. And I've known him for many years. I work with him all the time. I realized that that's because normally he'll pop into the office and we'll bump into each other. And that's how we check in. And, you know, when he sees me, he'd say, well, how how are you doing? And we'd exchange a sense of each other. But we can't do that anymore. So now he has to make the phone call. And so one of the new behaviors that I'm seeing is that leaders are tactically calling people to ask them how they are, whereas before they would have done that through the informal bumping into each other at the office that I referred to earlier. And I think that there's an upside and a downside to that. The upside to that is that it's a very deliberate and meaningful action to take. And in some ways, it felt stronger than just bumping into someone and saying, how are you, to get a phone call. You know, it really lands that he took the effort to make the call. You get a feeling of appreciation, which is greater than, well, he just asked me how it was when he walked past me. There is, of course, a downside and that it's very inefficient. And just how many phone calls can a leader make? You know, in the office, you can bump into 30, 40 people, but you can't make 30 or 40 phone calls in a day. So one of the things we're doing is this pulse check to get a sense of the pulse of the company. And what that is, is, you know, that's actually a digital prompt to thousands of people around the world to check in with them on a daily basis on how they're feeling. So given that we've been grappling with how to preserve and adapt our culture, what would be some good tips, ideas, or suggestions for other organizations to consider as they too are navigating remote working and all the changes associated with this virus? Lucretia, our head of learning in the UK, thinks building rituals are an important aspect to this maintenance of our culture.
4: One of the things that we saw as a very helpful mechanism was building rituals and this was done organically by each team or by each leader. I think that for me it became very, very clear the importance of having a ritual, having that practice that happens the same way, the same time every day and that provides a lot of containment for a time that is full of high levels of uncertainty and therefore anxiety. So building rituals in your daily check in your daily practice, I think that is a really easy way of bringing people
5: together. One of the big pieces of advice and some of the learning that we've had is that it is human nature to attempt to control. And in controlling, we see that people want to close ranks They want to have a higher level of centralised decision-making. They want to have lots of control and have people wait for instruction in order to control the uncertainty or manage the uncertainty. And it's their own anxiety, of course, that they're managing.
2: That's Leslie Ann commenting on the need to control people during this uncertain time.
5: Counterintuitively, intuitively though, I think that in these times of crisis and as an organization works remotely, it would be prudent to open the system as wide as possible to increase the complexity at a time like this and increase the decision-making capability of the organization. And even though it is arduous, we need to be able to aggregate that wisdom in a meaningful way. So to involve As many decision makers as we can to get process going, it truly is able to leverage people's opinion, to leverage all the different kinds of learning that people are having. And and I think a mistake organizations will make is to sacrifice complexity for ease at a time like this.
2: One of the big wins for the future to come out of this pandemic is undoubtedly the acceptance of flexible working. Heng Strivik, who's our head of OD in South Africa, who you heard from at the beginning of the podcast, says some leaders who were reticent to adopt flexible working practices in the past have been forced across the line by this pandemic and are now readily accepting it.
1: So I've been thinking all this time, and I think everybody is seeing it, that there are so many jobs that could be done from a distance. And in this way, it's quite shocking. And I've been wondering why hasn't the world gone this route as an option more so than what they've done already? And I think a lot of people are talking about it. And I do believe we've got this hangover from the industrial revolution, which organizations don't trust their people. And what I've seen here is you're really gonna trust people because the truth is most people get up in the morning to do the best they can and to do a good job. And that if people are enabled through technology and the things they need, they will add the value that they They got to add. So I think the big lesson here is you got to trust people. You got to allow people in your culture to really take ownership, which I think we're very good at as an organization. That's why we're getting good results out of a situation like this. And I just really believe the world won't be the same after this. I think this is what we're learning is that people can be trusted, that people will add value and that enabling them is all that you really need to do. I'd like to
2: bring in our global head of careers here. That's Nicola Tager. You know, she warns against organizations adapting their way of working their culture from a place of fear.
3: Lots of other organizations are coming across as schizophrenic because I think that there's so much information coming at the leaders of other organizations and people and they're trying to adjust too quickly to everything that's coming at them versus taking the information, collaborating it and say what makes sense for our organization and then adopting. So to many of people's points, you can't be leading based on fear and panic. You really have to think through what is still core to the fundamental of our culture and how would it play out
2: in our organisation versus someone else's? Now, to summarise, this working remotely brings with it a lot of possibilities that weren't there before. But at the same time, we lament the loss of some very important things that were core to our culture from the past. That's the true sense of what a changing culture looks like. It's not about good or bad. It's about different arrangements of how we come together. And it's really a question of how well we adapt to that change that will determine if we survive and thrive. Please subscribe to Investec Focus Radio wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us.
4: Views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.